Hi, this is Ross Payton here with Roleplaying Public Radio. This is RPBR episode 72. It's a dark, 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 dark world. Ross and uh, we're going to be talking about the world of darkness here with our very, very special guest, Jason, uh, who we have not... Ross Payton! I thought I would forego my normal uh, bitching about your voice by and, doing an annoying thing of my own. Yeah, though, that's... Uh, I'm uh, changing it up. Yeah, you really are, and I'm really tempted to mute it, but then people would be for... Well, not. They would understand. never forgive you, Ross. They would never understand what we were talking exactly. about. Exactly. So. Well, do they really? Uh, anyways, why don't we say hi to Jason, yes. who is our yes. very hi, special Jason. guest, and I feel so horrible about not inviting you onto the show before now. Uh, hey, guys. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you will. Uh, RPPR actual play listeners will recognize him as uh, uh, Cassius from the New World campaign, Gerard from the Eclipse Phase campaign, the Martyr from the uh, New Arcadia. Here's the New Arcadia campaign, and in numerous, numerous, numerous one shots. Uh, and he's been with us since like you know even before I started recording these games. So yeah, yeah. since like the Nyarlathotep days. Yeah, you know, exactly. Way back then. Yeah, exactly. When, when Patrick- Ross was in the bad apartment. That, <laughs> the like, bad. It's the that flooded place. and, yeah, and flooded twice, actually. nasty yeah. uh, from the flooding. That was so awesome. what district are you from? Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Dude, I'm District 2. You know this. Yes, you're one of the careers. I see. Exactly. It. I see how it is. Come on. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking. And, of course, we also have Aaron here who is uh, just tagging along. Hello. I didn't invite him, but he showed up with, you know, Woodchuck. So, um, I- yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I show up because well, I want to, and I must annoy. So yeah, <laughs> so we're, we're we'll let Aaron in there instead of making him stand in the corner, which was the original plan. And but. because I always, you know, have problems playing with him, you know, in games. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that it this would be appropriate be that we would uh, yeah. be working Absolutely. together. On this will be fun. And he brought beer. Yes. Um, that is always a plus. Yes. So uh, in this episode, yeah, we're going to be talking about the world of darkness, old and new. Uh, this is the this is uh, a little more broad than the other episodes we've been doing. Instead of focusing on a single system, we've been focusing on a whole family of games. Uh, you know, so uh, that have spanned two decades now. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll try to do our best to sort of describe uh, this episode's focus for people who aren't familiar with them, who aren't. If you're 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 a veteran of the world of darkness, if you know all about it, you know we're not going to go over anything really that you know earth shattering or no. you know, mind breaking. So many dots uh, will be filled in. Yeah, but we'll we'll be uh, uh, trying to give you some uh, sh- shed some light on a very dark, dark, dark world. Uh, yeah, dark. yeah. You missed a dark. Dude. I missed a dark. There's four yeah. darks. Yes. Uh, so read a uh, book, you lepton. It was a movie, wasn't it? It was a movie first, before. or was was there even a novel? Yeah, I, uh, I, I need to read a book too. Yeah, we all need to read. Uh, <laughs> speaking of reading, well, actually, speaking of uh, uh, things, uh, <laughs> well, let's have some news first. Uh, first, uh, our PPR video is underway. We've already posted our first video. Uh, I'll put a YouTube link in there so you can take a look at it if you haven't already. Uh, and we're going to be posting more. Uh, as we go because we, we have, have camera uh, we have camera so we're going to be using it uh, so we're working on doing the uh, uh, spaceship occasionally, Ar- occasionally spaceship we even simulator. have access to actors better than us yes exactly so <laughs> we'll be doing a lot of stuff of course you know when Gen Con comes around we'll be shooting a lot of footage uh, and speaking of shooting a lot of footage I'm actually uh, there is going to be a slight change in schedule you you won't be able to notice it that much but uh, I'm going to China uh this month, uh, and I'll be back uh, for a few weeks, and I'll be I'll be back in May, of course. But you know, the episode will be a little later. Uh, I'm going to China to see my brother, who is teaching political science there. Ross, you old turd! And like, he has a free couch that I can sleep on, so I'm like, 
uh, hey, uh, can I take use your frequent flyer miles? And they're like, okay, sure. And so I will be. Can I basically mooch off you? Yeah, exactly. So that what else is family for? So uh, I'll be bringing the camera. I'll be shooting a lot of footage there and blogging about it on slangdesign.com itself. Um, so if you want to see what I see in China, you know, go take a look at that. Um, Go to the old North Korean. Yeah, border. I'll post more links as I get closer to the actual. Yeah. Uh, you need to get right there. I'll say, if I were to take one more step, I could be arrested and thrown into a secret prison. I don't know if we'll be able to get to North Korea. We're going to be very busy. I, or not North Korea itself. We we might be able to go to the border of China, North Korea. And That's see. what I meant, Rod. Yeah, I as would you stand like, there, like take one step this way, and there's like a bridge, and there's like guys with guns on that bridge, and I'm not going to get anywhere near the guys with guns. Like I will be. Away from the bridge. I will be looking at the bridge that then goes... Will you it. wave to the guys with the guns? No, because they have guns, and I don't want to be a target, you know? <laughs> I don't know what they think. Um, I don't want to be the one who accidentally, you know, starts World War Three by, you know, pissing off a guard. Yeah, and let's face it, Ross, um, you are not hot enough for Bill Clinton to go drag your ass out of North Korea. So. Oh, with the political humor. <laughs> Old uh, political Aaron's humor. here playing the, the Robin of no, the group. Like, Adam Scott Glancy would come for you. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, he, and he would he would, he would totally win. Yes, he would. Speaking of Scott Glancy, uh, he's doing a Kickstarter right now. Uh, if you're listening to this uh, for the next 18 days, uh, or, uh, for uh, the newest book in uh, Pagan Publishing, Bumps in the Night, a series, uh, a collection of Call of Cthulhu scenarios that does not use the Call of Cthulhu uh, mythos. Instead, they're just actual monsters from folklore mythology uh you know there's some really fucked up mythologies in the world and uh there's the john crow the writer and artist uh created some really fucked up scenarios based on that so if you want to get your own book of it um it's it's available it's it's already successful it's raised over ten thousand dollars he was only asking for twenty five hundred to get the book printed uh but there's two slots left for if you pay three hundred dollars or more you can have scott glancy run 12 hours of call of cthulhu for your group over skype so uh, you want that? Yeah. If you've listened, if you're a big fan of the actual plays, in fact, I just posted a big six-hour actual play of him running Divine Fire. Uh, yeah, my it, scenario. Yeah, actually, um, is, is, did you listen to it or did I don't listen to it yet? Yeah, uh, I haven't listened to it yet, but it's got a lot of comments. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, there's a lot of feedback. A lot of people really digging Scott Glancy's interpretation of Tom's character, and I, uh, and I totally uh, want to give him a full report on it. Yeah, like over something. So okay, so uh, we'll we'll have to arrange that at some point. Uh, and then, of course, there's another Kickstarter from Arc Dream called the Sense of the Sleight of Handman, which is a Call of Cthulhu campaign uh, based in the Dreamlands, but this is a very dark, twisted Dreamlands, not the redheaded stepchild of the Cthulhu mythos as it normally is. Uh, this is by uh, Delta Green co-author Dennis Detweller, uh, and I've seen some of the first material, and he's wanting fifty. So we, bucks. We, we can't go. We can't go riding through the Dreamlands or on a zebra with talking cats. I don't know. Your your the characters are all the player characters are all opium addicts. In 1925 New York, they get sucked into the dreamlands by dark magic and have to escape, you know, to not die. So that, that's how it starts, you know. So I don't think we're, we're getting... Snake to, Plissken could escape from there. Well, I'm sure he could, but he wouldn't be riding a zebra. Um, 
And um, next, speaking of Arc Dream, I am going to be the community manager for Arc Dream, uh, trying to make, set up some demo teams if you want to do demos of the game, get free product and credit, uh, and talking to people on the social medias, on the internets, uh, and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, a huge sellout. Oh, my God. Uh, so, Ross makes things plural that don't need to be plural. I know. That's how hip and cool I am. Uh, so, and then uh, finally, oh, actually, uh, Caleb is going to be doing his own Kickstarter in coming up uh, based on his Bryson Springs and uh, Lover in the Ice and two other scenarios which have not been shown yet on the actual play podcast the Red Tower and um, I forgot what the mountain climbing one's called Oh, uh, it's pretty horrible though horrible things happen in it so uh, I think Aaron knows the time. I uh, believe that's the fall without end fall without end so yeah happy happy fun times with uh, Aaron comes through with the knowledge uh, so but after Caleb gets his completed I'm uh, this summer Wait I pay attention, am going Aaron. to be uh, doing my own Kickstarter Aaron. for another ransom project. I think uh, right now I'll link to a poll that I'm doing. Uh, the two contenders right now are the Heroes of New Arcadia as a campaign book, kind of like I did with the New World, and then then yeah. uh, the Haster Carcosa material, the Night Floors Night Hotel kind of material that I've been. You know, I like running fucked up horror scenarios that uh, are surreal. Yeah. yeah, it needs to be. Uh, yeah, it needs to be uh, New Arcadia. Well, you can vote. Have you voted? Yeah, I voted, Ross. Okay, well, then everyone... I spoke my mind. Well, then the other people can speak their mind. So, you know, and the listeners, it's what the listeners want. Listen to Tom. (laughs) Well, have you voted, Jason? I I would like... Yeah, Jason's shaking his head no. You are the worst person. Hey, Ross, I would like it very clear that he just said that people should listen to me. Yeah. I will never. But we just established that. he is the worst person for not voting himself. He can't even. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now he's gonna vote. All right. There we go. All right. There's internet everywhere. You can vote anywhere, Ross. I know. I'll I'll be doing stuff like that. So uh, well, I'll probably do both of them. But which one will be done first? Uh, and yeah. So that that takes care of the news. Um, so let's get down to brass tacks or the wooden stakes. Uh, let's no. get down to brass tacks here. Yeah. No. How pretty, much for pretty, the eight? Yeah. So uh, the world of darkness is just to be brief a whole family of games created by White Wolf uh, to cover their sort of uh, gothic punk. Uh, horror games started. They started in the early '90s with Vampire: The Masquerade and uh, 91. yeah, 91, 1991. Uh, and in 1999, 2000, they did the Time of Judgment, uh, which ended the old what they call the old world of darkness. And then they started what they called the new world the time of darkness. Y2K. Remember yes. that? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Nothing ever happened. <laughs> yeah. So well, something happened. Ravnos got bombed. Okay, so why don't we talk uh, a little bit about the the history of that. So, in the early 90s, there was Vampire the Masquerade, and it was, you know, yeah. it was when Anne Rice was the definitive vampire author, not <laughs> Stephanie Meyer. So. Fuck you, Stephanie Meyer. <laughs> yeah, so you will um, never you will never be like be forgiven. It was a uh, in the first edition, it was very much a game of personal horror. Uh, you were a vampire, you're a horrible monster, but as uh, I think we all kind of agree, this kind of changed over time. Um, I, yeah, also, I just kind of bring up uh, for a brief time in the 90s, Vampire was the game that kind of took the place as the demon seed uh, for the uh, for, as uh, 
the, for people who are railing against RPGs or oh yeah, that's yeah. like uh, because of a bunch of uh, people doing stupid things during like uh, my, uh, Mind's Eye Theater stuff and whatnot. Yeah, the the Mind Eye Theater is the Vampire LARP, of course. Uh, live action role playing. Yeah, uh, yeah fun, that's full, actually a good point. Actually, well, fun fact on uh, in yeah. Springfield, people that the, the whole Mind's Eye Theater group on the square help keep crime Town down square. on the square. <laughs> yeah, I, I've mentioned this on the show before, uh, but in brief, yeah, the vampire larpers scared. The, the homeless and drug dealers away from the town square. <laughs> Let's so, just let you know the quality of criminals we so have. So the police here. actually liked the LARPers. So, uh, but in the early 90s, shortly after Vampire came out, uh, there was a moral panic about it, uh, just as you know, Dungeons & Dragons caused a moral panic and that. Yeah. Now, um, I, I, I need to be clear. I wasn't playing this at the time. Yeah, you I didn't start until high school. Right. By then, it was like second or edition or third edition. I mean, they, they went through several, several editions. So, um, third edition came out about the time of the time of judgment. Okay, you know, just before that. Okay, uh, second edition was probably whenever I was in high school, which would have been around ninety five. I would think ninety one was definitely first ed. I think. Yeah, and then just a few years later, it was definitely second ed. Yeah, yeah. actually, this, the first book I got was the werewolf second edition werewolf book that had the. Like the cover was actually had like three claw marks on it that went they, they went through the cover. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we have the the it starts out as this very uh, this game very much influenced by the sort of Anne Rice school of vampires and then movies like Near Dark um, and that kind of you know making them not the the cliche Dracula yeah. Bella Lugosi thing. Um, yeah. And, I think- Werewolf owed a lot to the movie Wolfen, if anyone's ever seen that. Well, we'll, 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 we'll yeah. so so first there was Vampire, and mm-hmm. then Va- Werewolf was the second one to come out. I believe. Um, and that was really – actually, I think Wraith came out first. Uh, I don't know. Well, well yeah, I mean, you can look it up. But basically, in the 90s, it came out a whole – Family of games, uh, based around several several monsters. game lines. Yeah, based around classic iconic monsters. First, you had vampires, then you had werewolves, uh, then you had ghosts, which was Wraith, uh, the Oblivion, yeah. and then of um, course all kinds of subgenres for the various other creatures. Like first it was just werewolves, then they, that came out a whole series of were creatures. Right, right. Uh, the Splat books. We'll get into. Uh, splat I books. think you were meaning the changing breeds there. Yeah, changing well the splat or the beta as they were called in the books. As the game lines continued on, basically, Wyville kept releasing a book a month, basically, and uh, several books a month usually, and um, each game line saw sort of like a just a whole series of books that kept expanding the universe. Now, the thing is that the, the major differences between the old world of darkness, I think, and the new world is what they call the meta plot. And by the meta plot is the plot between game lines and game books. Like, you know, an individual game could have a plot like, oh, this is a game about doing this and this, and these are the important NPCs, blah, 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 blah. But in the meta plot, they're talking about, oh, these characters from this book go over and fuck over these people in this book, you know, and it led to mm-hmm. such notable NPCs as uh, the abomination uh, Samuel Height. Um, Skinner Height. Skinner Height, who was a werewolf turned vampire. No, he was a uh, he was actually he was actually a werewolf kinfolk. That yeah. wanted to be a werewolf, so he did it by using dark magic and the skins of werewolves. He slayed. yeah he he was a he was a va- yeah he was a werewolf, but he also became a vampire, didn't he? He uh, was he was actually, more I, under- I understand his final fate was to be in the wraith underworld. No, he actually became an, an actual abomination. He wasn't just a werewolf; he was a vampire too, and he was but, he uh, also well, got, gained magic too. He was like ridiculous, and he wound up as that because the game developers were like, oh my god, he's so fucking retarded. Let's just yeah. kill him. As I, I believe he actually finally ended up in the wraith underworld as an ashtray. Right, is what uh, I believe he ended up as. 
So you have all these game lines, and they keep extending and expanding. You know, at oh, where, the nineties. Yeah, the nineties. So you have all these game lines too. So aside from the big three, which are vampire, werewolf, mage, you also have the minor lines, which are um, changeling. Well, there's changeling, wraith. Uh, there's also orpheus. There's also mummy. Uh, there's also kindreds of the east. Uh, there's oh, also hunter, the reckoning. Kindred of the East and the Henga, and the Henga Yokai. And then, of course, you have the Changing Breeds. Um, and each of these, even the main games, have so many supplements that you have basically minor game lines out of them, like Vampire Dark Ages. Uh, and then, you well, know. I think before you got to Orpheus, you had uh, Demon the Fallen, you had Hunter the Reckoning, and a lot of those things come out, too. Uh, yeah. You know, Mummy, Fallen, Mummy yeah. I remember being one of the last ones because they were so god awful overpowered. Yeah. Um, so were the demons, mm-hmm. but. Really, I don't remember demons being now, overpowered. Um, now let's say actually, I I, do, I really love some of those future other right. books. Like actually, one of my favorites was Wraith: The Great War. Right, which basically Wraith in World War One. Right, Adam Scott Glancy, take notice of that. Right, uh, I'm sure he's aware of it. I'm um, sure he is. So you have this huge amount of material, and each of these you know builds up this very rich, very very complex universe, and it's all sort of presented. This is the way things are. There's one definitive. I mean, there are exceptions like you know, there's like five Baba Yagas, and there's like five. Well, yeah, it's, it's very disjointed. I yeah. mean, like you've but got it, each one of these systems having their own rich world, and then like as you said, you know, the meta plot tries to drive them all together and right. you know eventually this you is get all the taking times place of judgment and yeah. all that stuff well that's which, i think that's what caused the time of judgment is that yeah. the game line was so expansive the game library was so huge so expansive that no one could really get into it anymore you had to have been there for years in order to have any sense of like what was new what was going on and so they decided to wipe the slate clean have the time of judgment and then do the new world of darkness um yeah because by the end of uh, when i got some of the third ed books and tom uh, when and uh, our friend Sean used to inter- introduce me into that initially. Um, there were specific warnings in the book saying you can add things in from vampire or werewolf, but you're in for a shitstorm of information that you're going to have to cross-reference to, and it will muck up your gameplay. Yeah. Um, so I found that to be interesting when I first got the books. Yeah. No, there's there's just a huge amount. So now we have the New World of Darkness, which takes a very different approach, which I call the sort of toolkit approach that Wild Talents and Monsters yeah. and other childish things and other games like that do which is like here is you know here are the rules for playing vampires here are the core concepts like there are clans uh, for vampires we'll get into clans in a little bit um yeah but, J- like, jason's really yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can um, tell. He's, he's he's itching but we um <laughs> instead of saying that this is the one truth that there are these in, like there are very important npcs and here's what they're doing and here's how the world progresses they just kind of um Say, here's how you can run a game like this. Here's how you can run a game mm-hmm. like this. You can run games where vampires are very powerful, well, or they're very weak, well, just, or that they're scientific experiments, or that they're, they're descended from Cain from the Bible. Yeah, or it's, yeah I mean, the, the, the old world of darkness, it, the pantheon just got really overly thick. Right. Where basically, yes, there exists the triumvirate of the worm, the weaver, and the wild. Yes. Gaia exists. God exists. Right. Uh, angels and demons exist, and then apparently all the ancient gods exist. Just everything's real. Right. So that that's why dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. I had to go there, Tom. Yeah. So, I understand. And also mechanically speaking, like the new world of darkness is different from the old world of darkness and that they've clarified and simplified all, or made the mechanics more consistent. 
I explained this in like I talked to Greg Skol, uh, Stolze uh, last episode, and he he, he actually wrote for world, the old world of darkness. He explained how like um, in the old world, world of the darkness, to make a task harder or simpler, you could do it two ways. One, you could give the player more or less dice to the roll, or you can make their target number higher or lower. And he, and Greg would like ask them, the people why, like, so what's the difference between that those two methods? And he's like, I don't know. There's also actually there was also in requiring more than just one success, right? Sometimes they required like. Actually, one game, Sean in particular, he used all of them. Right. He made to, there's one role that's so difficult. He says, "Okay, you're gonna like first. I'm reducing your dice pool by two. Only tens count, and you need at least three of them. Right. For this. So, so it became very. So the so the rules I think have become more streamlined. So yeah, Jason. Well, you remember, I mean, sixes were the standard. You just yeah. had to get a six on the, and in on the, the old on world the 10, of darkness. On yeah. the old world of darkness. So you had like these massive dice pools. Even like as a beginning character, you would have like eight dice to roll for like a skill and an attribute added together. If you couldn't get at least one six out of that, you know, then you might want to seek new dice. <laughs> but yeah. if you could like Amp that up, like oh, okay, well, this is more difficult. You know, let's make this uh, an eight difficulty. Then it became a little bit more difficult. If you could also say, well, you need this many sixes to succeed. You know, but players also like like to nerf things where they would be like, oh, well, I'm very skilled at handguns, so instead of a six, I need a five to roll yeah. handguns. So yeah, it became of, it became uh, like merits. okay, well, how do you know when you're succeeding? Right. So that's I think that's also the aside from the meta plot the other main reason why they decided to start over with the new world of darkness was to have a unified set of game mechanics that made sense between game lines so they would made easier made crossovers easier so mm-hmm. um I think that's the other major reason but the meta plot I think is essential so that's I think the central difference between the old and the new the old had the meta plot the new has the toolkit so um Which, approach yeah I kind of think the best, best thing I think to do is that it'd be perfect to combine the two. You really just, you know, the right. We, the, you know, yeah. the, the meta plot for the old world of darkness with the new rules. Well, I mean, that's the thing, though, that like that, that's again, that, that I, I would actually disagree, especially for new players, because they're not going to have the old meta plot. They're not going to know any of this stuff. And like, you would have to get a lot of out of print books in order to learn the meta plot. I mean, yeah, if we're all familiar with it and we want to like fight, you know, Kane or, you know, uh, uh, an antediluvian or whatever, but they're not going to even know what an antediluvian is. So that, uh, I'd place. almost disagree to the extent that if you, we have this new thing called the internet now right. where if you go to pretty much anybody's fan page, hell, I even in high school made up this ridiculous fan page where I had a list of all the clans and I thought it was really cool. I was trying to do a project. And so like I listed all the various attributes of these clans enough to know what I had to do like as far as a reference sheet. So I didn't have to carry around like 20 books. Right. So I mean, well, I mean that's the thing is you know they they uh, um, so let's talk about the individual game lines first before we get into the the the, the proper way to play or whatever the best way um, you know we have ma- ma- vampire first which is you know the, the big, big one yeah, the big the- biggest one um, the central uh, there's vampire the masquerade which is the old one and then vampire the requiem for the new one mm-hmm. um, both of them sort of focus on and, the and same the old, thing. the old world there's there's editions one two and three right um, and each one of those was different 
Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, but, but they, they... I cannot speak much to the first edition in the old school because I never played it. My friend Sean did. Yeah. And actually said it was truly about personal horror, that being a vampire was a horrible thing. Right. So, the, yeah, that was the that was the thing. Like, if you read the beginning material, the front matter of the book, they talked about, like, they, they, they described, this is the gothic punk world. I think that's mm-hmm. the, the, the phrase they used to describe it, which is, like, a mixture of gothic horror and punk aesthetic. Um, which is, you know, like if you look at the the, the movie Near Dark, uh, you know, with mm-hmm. uh, Bill Paxton and uh, Lance Henriksen, and you know that that's like the kind of thing they're going for pretty yeah. pretty much perfectly. Uh, and the Lost Boys to to a lesser degree, um, that kind of late '80s, early '90s kind of feel. Uh, Anne Rice to a certain degree as well. So, um, well, yeah, I mean, the the whole idea of personal horror. I mean, Louis from Interview with a Vampire is very central to that. You yeah. Know, Oh, I'm this vampire. Woe is me. You know, God, this this is cool that I can do all these things, but I've got to suck blood. And, oh, this is against my morals, my ethics, and everything that I was raised. So, I mean, that was definitely at the crux of that. I mean, for any DM that especially focuses on that, that, that aspect actually becomes lesser as the series goes on, too. Yeah. It becomes, as uh, Tom put it, uh, while we were talking about this before the the podcast, undead superheroes. So, Tom, yeah, yeah. that's I think uh, that's the power what they have in all these uh, RPGs are what they call power creep, which is like in order to get people to buy the new supplements, the nut, the new. Like, well, how to check out this new stuff? Yeah, you you have new pow- uses for uh, potents and these awesome disciplines that are so awesome and powerful. and uh, yeah and. Yeah, around second edition, suddenly uh, being a vampire suddenly wasn't so bad. Yeah, suddenly it's like, well, okay, yeah, you're dead. You'll you're, you'll never see the sun, but check but check out this these fifty pages of different powers you could you, you can have. Yeah, or the fact that oh, you're going to live forever, and that blood is better than sex or any other kind of food. So you're you're not really going to miss that. Well, I think you know one of the things I realized that uh, at least when I was playing vampire, that it, the horror, personal horror was never uh, uh, um, emphasized. Was that hunting was just hand waved? Like you never had like make a control roll, self control roll, or whatever it was called in order to not kill the person you're draining of. Mm-hmm. And there should because you know I realized if I was going to run vampire now, that shit would be like central and foremost. Like, yeah, okay, you you got this homeless person, roll to not kill him. Oh, you failed that roll, Aaron. So you've just killed a homeless person. How <laughs> how do you feel about that? Or Jason, Jason could be like, oh, I don't give a fuck, you know. <laughs> yeah, which uh, also bringing up with vampire, um, it was in the later. Uh, late 90s or it was maybe in 2000 they actually white wolf ended up putting out a video game of vampire bloodlines and vampires bloodline was 2004 it was a 2004 okay i'm sorry that was there's there's the earlier there's the earlier one that was started in the middle ages and worked its way to the modern era i forgot what that's called bloodlines was the one set in los angeles yeah and it was developed by redemption Redemption. okay trochia did bloodlines it was set in los angeles it's very much an excellent computer role-playing game um, if you get the fan patch, it's very playable. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, bringing up like the control thing you did on there. Uh, yeah, you had to be damn careful unless you were with a, an NPC that actually attacked you, and then you could screw them over, saying like, zone. yeah, combat zone, saying no, they attacked you. But no, you had to be. They had meters specifically for your humanity. If you drained an innocent, you lost that. Yeah. And no, it worked out very well. Which you're right. And 
the later vampire sessions or what we played, I don't ever remember even having to do anything like that. It was we were just playing superheroes. Yeah, it was just like okay, make a dex check or stealth check, or whatever, to find a victim and then get him. And it was totally hand wave. And like we never had those kind of moral dilemmas. I know if I was playing, it, I'd play. I'd be an asshole GM if I was running a vampire right now. Like you'd be like humanity rolls all the time. But you know that's me. So. No, I think that's a. I think that's also like an idea of how we've grown as gamers, how we've matured as uh, adults, and how okay, we, yeah, how how you know we just play our games too, because the first game I ever played was Vampire the Masquerade, and I played a fifth generation Asimite <laughs> to start with. This was the first role playing game ever. My my buddy played a fifth, fifth, sixth, seventh, I don't know, whatever generation uh, Bruha, and he was like ripping a tank apart. With his hands, and we were just like running around like we were jackass superheroes, and you know whatever time setting we got thrown into because the DM was all about action. You know, everything was was whenever we had to like drain blood, it wasn't a big deal. Um, And since Asimites were not allowed to like drain the blood of other clans because of some curse at that time period. we also didn't make a big deal out of Diablery until we had to like. Oh wait a minute! Um, Uh, Didn't my character just listeners? Huh? Diablery. Could you Diablery. Yeah. Okay, Diablery is whenever you uh, drain the blood of another vampire, um, and then you take on – if you do well enough, you could, quote-unquote, drain their soul and get some of the attributes that that particular vampire had. For instance, uh, when I first ran across this, I was playing the Asmite, and I had no idea. I just rolled up a character, played it, and I drained some guy that was being a dick to us, so I, I – I drained him, and I got some of his abilities. And we had to hand wave it later and say, oh, he was an Asimite too, because otherwise I would have died due to a curse. Asimites are not allowed to diablerize anybody who is not of the clan Asimite. Um, later on in 3rd edition, that curse got broken. But right, because of the metaplot. Because of the metaplot. Right. Um, in the 20th anniversary edition that came out last year, they actually, yeah. that's one of the only things that they, they kept in there. They had like, what they look like in the Dark Ages, you know, so you could play optional Asimites before the curse was broken. Um, but you also had, you know, them as in the third edition. The the Ravenos being, you know, bombed or whatever also became an optional thing in this anniversary edition. So you could sit there. They they tried to they tried to tweak it so that you could play like, you know, second ed, third ed, whatever. But I do remember that. That that idea of like, oh, cool, I can drain this guy and get like this new ability. Oh, cool, I can suddenly do this. But it was also a mark on your soul. So any other vampire that had like aura perception could be like, yeah, which is Auspex too, could see, hey, look, this guy's got uh, this aura, but it's got these little black lines in it. He has diabolized someone, which is a big no-no amongst all the vampires. Let's kill this guy. Yeah. So, I mean, there was a lot of crazy stuff that went on with that. Yeah. Um, so, th- I mean, that, that kind of explains in, in that that one thing about the curse. It sort of kind of summarizes the metaplot in one reason, in one sort of thing. Like this is like that was the central trait to the clan was that they had this, and that changed from one edition of the game to the other. Uh, and that's that, and so. You know, the toolkit approach, they would say like, "Oh, well, here's how this clan is set up. They have this. You, there are. They would present rules if you wanted to break it or not." Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, it's, but it's it's really, but they they really emphasized that in one, the first edition. Yeah, second edition, it was that was still kind of there. 
Right. But by the third, by third edition, no one cared. Right. You know, hunting. Like they just the, the only thing they did on hunting was here's basically some roles you can do to find someone and then get them away from out of sight and then feed on them without anyone seeing them. But it's basically oh yeah, you drink blood, and uh, that's how you stay alive. Yeah. What, if, what if you kill them? Now oh, they're dead. <laughs> All right. And that's and really yeah. Third edition particularly was undead superheroes. Right. That's all it was. Uh, because, again, at this point, like I think the third edition took a lot of materials that had been only printed in the source books, the splat books, and then incorporated in there, like some of those, like the Asimites, you know, and their disciplines. Uh, and so there was an expanded range of powers that the character, starting characters had well, uh, each, access to. As we said, you know, Asimite had that as their personal particular clan right. deficiency. Uh, the Venture had one that was, you had to select some kind of... Uh, prey, it was a prey right. exclusion, um, and th- that actually made more sense on the whole. Is like if you're trying to retain your man, uh, your humanity, well, wouldn't you focus on like, oh, well, I'm going to be Morbius from the Marvel universe, and I'm going to go in right. to drain the blood of criminals. Um, yeah, that would make more sense, you know, because otherwise you're just a full fledged monster just running around like draining blood of people, right? And, you know, you should be losing humanity. You should be dropping each time you go around just, hey, willy-nilly, I'm going to go drain this kid over here. Pfft, big deal. Just throw him in the Juice dumpster. Bag. Right, right. So, um, so yeah, that kind of, uh, again, sort of gives you an idea of, like, how the, the old world of darkness changed from beginning to end. Uh, and this is not something that would happen in the new world of darkness. But um, let's talk a little more about the other, the, the other uh, game lines. I believe Werewolf came next. Yeah, yeah. Werewolf, well... Even if it didn't come next, it was it's Werewolf is certainly the second most popular it's the one uh, I started, game line. It's the one I started with uh, after the after Vampire. Well, I mean, not, the big three are Vampire. Yeah, Werewolf, it's Mage. not the first game I started with. It's the first right. White Wolf game I ever started. Okay, so much so that I actually bought the second edition Werewolf book. Still right. have it. Uh, and that they were basically supernatural eco warriors. Right. Essentially, they were all about saving the Earth and the environment. Right. The old world. You're talking it's, about the old world of darkness. The old, yeah, old world of darkness. They're basically save the, you know, they were actually well, Indian, like, shamanisms, Native American shamanism type stuff, and saving the environment. Right. And also, you could turn into a nine-foot-tall, whirling, furry, dervish machine. Yeah, I think, I think a historical context is important in this case, because this is obviously started coming up about the mid-'90s. And this is sort of the heyday of environmentalism pop culture, mm-hmm. which is, you know, this is also the same time Captain Planet was on the TV. This is also the same time Fern Gully came out. Fun fact, um, actually, fun fact actually, in the, like, the opening story of the second edition book, yeah. it's essentially about introducing a new werewolf. Yeah, and he sat down, and when they're explaining to this guy what they're all about, he says, "So basically, we just I just go around here doing Captain Planet type stuff." Yeah, they actually mentioned that. He said, "Yes, essentially." Yeah, so that that that's <clears throat> that was very much in the in the in the Volksgeist, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and so the White Wolf developers and took uh, that, and, and certainly the the bad guys they were fighting certainly made sense. You well, know? the bad guys were like they were like all about nature. The bad guys were basically abominations of nature, and also corporations. Right. So yeah, Pentex. Pentex. I don't know yeah. if anybody's ever seen it, but there was this ad that they did for Pentex, which was like some kind of commercial promoting that, and that was really fun. Uh, Pentex was a corporation that was very vile. They polluted the environment. They did all these awful things, and of course, the werewolves, being eco warriors, had to work against them. Right. Um, you also had like the Fomori. You know, a lot of these things were the Fomori were the evil mutant bane foot souls, bane, yeah. bane possessed, Spe- evil spirit kind of possessed evil, humans evil that had. Spirits. Twisted um, deformities and powers. 
But the thing was, as Tom mentioned earlier, with you know Gaia running around, uh, Mother Earth, uh, you know, they were very much looking to protect her. But you also had the three triad kind of like idea of worm, the wild, worm, weaver. the weaver, and the wild. The wild being you know the creative aspects of uh, the world, the worm being the destructive. And then the weaver being sort of the the one that weaved it all together, no. right? Actually, it's more, uh, I kind of more interpret it as the wild is just pure uncontrolled change. That's yeah. all it was. The wild, like the and the weaver was pure un well pure controlled order, and then the 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 worm was supposed to be entropy, which essentially kind of balanced it out. And the whole point of the game was, at one point, it was actually the weaver that went what insane, insane yeah. and she and. Found and that and actually, I find this one, the weaver's just as dangerous as the worm. Right. Because, and that really represents human civilization. Right. So they're essentially, they're fighting against entropy and order. Right. Well, I, Too I, much order and your, your universe destroys your civilization, falls inward, you know, it implodes. Right. So that, that kind well, of... I, I think that also kind of explains some, like, also showcases kind of what the, the meta plot was about, is that that wasn't, that, that the aspect that the weaver was the real was the real bad guy, or as just as bad as the worm, wasn't really emphasized in the main book, and you had to get all these splat books to find out, oh, this is the way it really is. This is the real truth about this setting. And that's something I know, like, for me, like, you buy a game, and then you, like, you find out, oh, you're not playing, you're, you don't really know what's going on. You have to get this book. You, yeah. You you have to find this out, otherwise everything you're doing is ah, you're just puppets to us, you know. So it's that, that kind of feeling of being manipulated uh, that I know turned off some people to the old meta plot. But yeah, yeah, and uh, actually, although we haven't gotten into it yet, Mage ended up uh, selling into that as well. Uh, but they called it the metaphysic trinity, and it was going with uh, dynamicism. Um, uh, what was it? Uh, entropy and then static or stasis. Yeah, yeah. For the exact thing with stasis being the weaver. Right. I know in mechanics, like werewolf played differently than vampire because the personal thing was like fighting a lost cause was the central metaphor. You know, you're trying to fight in a sense like Call of Cthulhu. You're trying to fight to stop the mythos, the evil, but you're doomed. But the thing is, the characters were even more powerful than the vampires. Like as any werewolf, as in the old world of darkness, was much no, more powerful. Actually, it's particularly starting characters. Right. I mean, it's. So Jason said this once again before we recorded. A, a starting werewolf could annihilate a starting vampire. But you start getting but the other direction, like an elder werewolf versus an elder vampire, the elder vampire is going to kick his ass. Um, yeah. So, again, like I wasn't really, you know. But I remember like also werewolf games tend to emphasize combat a lot more. Like the character, all the, even the non-combat characters were more, were could survive in a combat better than, like a vampire character who was not optimized for combat was not like, very useful you know he was he right. could take more bullets but that would be about it like right, right. uh but a, a non-combat <laughs> werewolf was still like you know seven feet of death nine, you know, nine feet sorry i'm see yeah yeah rhinos man come on yeah sorry know your stuff well uh, whatever okay. okay no uh the thing is you mentioned uh the fact that oh you have to buy all these supplemental materials so you can find out that the weaver is really at the cause of everything um yes i understand that that frustrated a bunch of people but you know you got to understand like the marketing ploy oh look you got to buy yeah. all these books uh you know i think right. that, that was like central to it right and then of course then when the changing breed books came along they were pretty much then said and every changing breed had their own specific purpose they were supposed to do like the werewolves were supposed to be the guardians of Gaia. Right. Like the... Um, the Mokalei were supposed to be the memory of Gaia. Well, who were the Mokalei? The were, basically, were crocodiles and dinosaurs. Right. There were the Naga, 
they were supposed to they're the assassins of Gaia. And they were snakes. Yes. Were snakes. And, yes. Uh, then there were the the Noesha, which were the coyotes, which their actually their purpose was to make the other changing breeds laugh. That's right. basically their purpose. Right. Yeah. The Rokia, were sharks, their point was just to uh like uh, keep the ocean safe. Okay. Well, this this yeah. explains like the old world of darkness. I know none of us have played Rec or what is the new one? Forsaken. I, I have the Forsaken book. I've just never got a chance to play it. Okay. Have you read it though? Like, yeah, I've read it. All right. So what is the main thing? Well, about I was. It's been. A, I know it's very. Well, spirit it's been focused. years since I've read it, but right. the system is largely the same. Right. Except you know, there's a few changes. I I could totally be wrong, but I just remembered that now I think your time in Krynos form is limited by your willpower. Yeah. Yeah, and, so, um, so your character's not as powerful. Well, I mean, what's the game about, though? Like, you know, I, I remember that it's not the environmental and the environmentalism is, like, gone. I think it's about being guardians of the between the, the real and the spirit world. Like, essentially, you know, yeah. Fighting evil spirits. Basically, you make it, acting as the balance between, you know, mm. the magical world and the real world. So I think that that is the central metaphor of the new world. And again, because well, there's a toolkit, you know, the approach, there's no central, like, Overall, well, in the arc. old world, you were guarding yeah. against the umbra of the spirit world. Yeah, you know, you were trying to keep those bad spirits, and you were also like the conduit. You could like travel between the two realms, between right. the spirit realm and this. Um, with the new one, even though I haven't played it, hint, hint, Ross, Tom, somebody run this game. Um, I'd love to try to play Forsaken at some point, but the idea was that the emphasis on the word Forsaken. The werewolves that you're playing in this are the ones that are kind of like the cast-offs, I think. Um, the purebloods, are, are they look down on you. They're the ones that are, that are holding the true way or something like that. There's, there's a lot of like, you know, strife between the two, but you're usually playing like the Forsaken, which are the ones that, like, I think, abandon their post or something. I'm not 100% on this because I really haven't read the book, but, Tom, you have. It's, so. it's been like 2002 when I read it. Right. So, um, but that's the main that's the main idea of it, and so they've released a lot of material about that. Yeah, um, they are a lot less. Powerful. There are changing, uh, there are still changing breeds in the new world of darkness. Like they have wear elephants and wear other you know creatures. So yeah. there's a whole book but, about I that. Mean, I'll say, yeah, the starting characters are far less powerful. Yeah, but and I think that kind of works because when you can start a game and have the ability to become a a, Hulk. War, a war form, a Hulk war form kind yeah, of yeah. thing. You're, what else, why would you why would you not ever use that? Right, especially All the when time. especially when humans most humans will forget that they saw you do that. Right, uh, yeah, because they're actually yeah that was another central element the delirium the idea because is that, that if werewolf, you see a werewolf you well you it's, forget. Be, it's because werewolves uh, called human populations back in the old uh, old old world yeah far in the past and uh, even though they stopped doing that humans on a subconscious level rem- still remember that. Yeah. But it's essentially, it's different. Whatever your the human's willpower is determines what they would re- react with. Like one was described as like just catatonic fear; you just curl into a ball and whimper. Right. Where ten was no reaction whatsoever. Right. That was kind of actually my, my favorite. Just the and I, and actually I love in the third edition werewolf book it actually listed the percentage of the human population that would have certain willpowers. Yeah. It was like point five percent would have willpower of ten. Yeah. Who would see a the Krynos war form like, oh shit, look at that. <laughs> right. Uh, I know. I remember you made a character that was pretty much a human with that, and then like a ridiculous amount of resources to buy all the guns you wanted. So, uh, yeah. Actually, the first. Uh, actually, the first. Like a brigadier general. Yeah. Or I, actually, he was a kinfolk, okay. but he still had willpower of ten. Right. 
And uh, oh, and I will say this too: Hunter, Hunter actually came up with the background I was looking for uh, that, which is Arsenal, right? Uh, so we'll get into that. Uh, the, of course, so that kind of describes the the, the second major game line. Um, we really didn't go into Vampire the Requiem. You know, we we touched. A little okay, bit yeah. On well, Vampire the Requiem. Yeah, so let's, let's go. Let's on a little bit. Let's okay, back okay, up a little bit. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, the difference between you know uh, we we made a lot of we discussed a lot of the differences. One of the 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 biggest differences that I really liked, other than of course, you know, overall with the new world of darkness and being the dice rolls, was that in the new vampire. You had, you didn't have to necessarily run around with your clan. You had this thing called coven, uh, your covens, right? Um, which also gave you other kinds of attributes. They were the the people that accepted you into the fold, right? Um, and uh, you know, you you got different disciplines, you got different abilities, and so on and so forth. And these affiliations were also, you know, central to your character. Uh, with the old world of darkness, you know, we had the metaplat of Cain being the first, you know, Adam right. and Eve, Cain, you know, killing his brother, so he was cursed by God. In the new world of darkness, you had like multiple scenarios where different uh, clans or different affiliations claim that this guy was the first. So you had like Longinus or Longinus or however you want to pronounce it, the guy who stabbed uh, speared Christ in the side being the first being cursed, or you had Dracula being the first with the Order of the Dracul. Um, so, like, there is a little bit of meta plot in there, but it kind of throws out the idea of, like, to the DM, well, there could be multiple firsts. There could be, like, if God had his hand in all these kinds of things, you know, right. then maybe these things were all cursed, or maybe it's all bumpkiss, you know, maybe right. it's all bullshit, because it's up to the DM. True faith is optional right. in this, as opposed to the previous system, where right. true faith was central. Me personally, I, I preferred the true faith aspect because I found that always interesting, seeing what you could do with true faith, especially when we talking about Hunter, which we'll get into at some point here. And true faith being, of course, the, the rules that allowed a, a human who truly believed in God to repel a vampire with a crucifix or yeah. whatever. Or sometimes just, or if high enough, just their presence. Right. So the holy man rule, basically. Mm-hmm. So like You didn't need a crucifix. Any kind of well, that's what I'm saying. Like the, the holy person, so um, the the true faith, in other words. So um, so that yeah, that explains again. The, again, the, we could see the 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 metaplot versus the 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 toolkit, uh, and you know, while, while vampire has those those sort of static elements of the clans, and then the kind of the stories that they have and the conspiracy theories, but like it's it's all suggesting it's very much easier to alter it, like than it would be like if you wanted to run an old world of darkness game and say Kane, you know, was really an alien. And you know everything, and, and it's he was a virus. All, and it, yeah, it was a virus or something like that. Then that would be a lot. E- that would be very hard to do in the new world, uh, the old world of darkness. But in the new world of darkness, that wouldn't be too hard to do to run. You know, where everyone's actually. But an don't do that, by the way, Ross. Really? I don't know. I suppose you could. Do I mean, it. you see, Life going, Force. Life Force was pretty baller. If, if you're going with like the Mormon the religion there? as like the the one true religion, then yeah, you could yeah. definitely do as Cain is like some alien because God it lives on yeah. some planet. You know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah, okay. So and by the yeah. way, yes, I saw Life Force. Like vampire aliens take over London. I remember the movie. Yeah, I know Patrick Stewart's in, in it. So yeah. uh, it was pretty great. Uh, anyways. Um, so then, of course, the third game is Mage. Uh, in the old world of darkness, that was very much like... Uh, it's essentially about con- like altering reality. 
Well, it's very much based on Grant Morrison's The Invisibles. Uh, you know, Game is a Sandman, uh, and you know, Mystery Theater, and then the idea of basically a group of sorcerers, underdog sorcerers, fighting against a hegemonic institute. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because we're uh, you're talking about the other ones, like Vampire was the yeah. down and dirty. That's like gothic vampires, existential dread. Yeah, of the werewolf. Werewolf was the eco terrorist. I always um, take I the always, stoic, uh, yeah. like stoic underdogs fighting a lost cause. Yeah, um, I always kind of viewed mage as challengers of the unknown, as basically trying to create that. Uh, that uh, it's like that glee, that interesting future. So the first Matrix movie. Yeah. Oh well, no. What do you mean? Why wouldn't it? The first Matrix. Oh, okay. Movie yeah. Would, no. Uh, uh, if, you wanted, if you wanted to do virtual adepts, yeah, that would yeah, exactly. Actually That's what I'm saying. I, I get that. Like also the metaphor of like awakening so. the masses versus the men in black. Literally. Yeah. So that's basically that, that's what I was going to say. It's yeah. really it's more about it's about altering reality, but who gets to control how it's altered? Right. Essentially, you know, there's the technocracy, which is you know things like things must be like, we must have order, we must have control in this. And, now that uh, I'm a lot more familiar with Grant Morrison comics, I can really see how they ripped off Grant Morrison for this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like his work from the '90s, like The Invisibles, like oh my, and Hellblazer. It's Hellblazer and The Invisibles. Let's mm-hmm. let's face it. Let's it's Hellblazer and The Invisibles. Mm-hmm. So, but I've also actually found Vampire was the hardest one to play and run. Well, because well, let's it, get, let's focus on Mage for a second because I, we, I am talking about Mage. Oh, okay. But I meant Mage was the hardest. To, I thought you said vampire. I, I sorry. I'm I sorry. I meant Mage was the oh, hardest. Oh, okay. That makes Mage was sense. the hardest to play or run. <laughs> yeah. Because with the spheres, there's literally, if you have enough spheres, what you can do is limited only by your imagination. Well, okay. So explaining spheres, um, in like basically each character had the same kind of thing where they had point dots, you know, one to five in, in various. Well, every game line mm-hmm. in various superpowers and vampires are called disciplines, disciplines, uh, and werewolves, gifts, gifts, and, and this one it was spheres. spheres. Now the thing is, in vampire, the 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 disciplines were very limited. Like potence was super strength, fortitude was super endurance, blah blah blah. Obviously, it was vanishing from right, Saturn. right. But in uh, mage, it was like you had there were nine categories or ten spheres of magic like entropy or Life, matter or matter yeah. prime so like and the idea is you could alter anything you wanted in those if, categories. if you had yeah. enough dots in the sphere yeah, you, yeah. Like, so, uh, like example if you had like life of five you could completely alter life to your whim or give someone cancer by looking at them well you could actually do it on a lower level <laughs> okay, but, well, no, but at, no but at five you could like that person like no you need to be a dragon yeah but, but and of course, but and it was also about and what held your powers. What was the limits on your power? Right. Which in Mage was uh, paradox. Right. It still is uh, in yeah. the new world. So. It's just you know like if you do shit it like that. If you do magic in front of mundane people, that start it starts to build up and cost you. Right. I think so. Um, well, wasn't it the the idea of like you're altering the world so dramatically? The world's going to strike. Well, back. it's going to strike back. Well, the, know, the central thing in like Mage is consensual of, reality. It, yeah. Reality is what everyone thinks it is, and that's why the technocracy tries to control everyone through propaganda, and then the Mage tries to do that through their own version of propaganda. So yeah, because yeah, because going with the meta plot on that, yeah. um, they uh, the backstory of at least the old world was that magic was prevalent in the old age until. Um, somewhere along the Renaissance, where the Age of Reason started to come into uh, into focus, right. and then that was the beginnings of the technocracy, where they it's like you have the mages or the traditions trying to force for like personal 
that's like personal evolution to that's like into a next version of humanity versus the technocracy trying to create a static reality that is safe for everybody but lacks the wonders that the traditions are trying to introduce to the public. Right. Um. So, uh, which is uh, which is always I thought it was an interesting thing, but um, you know, with the gameplay mechanic as uh, Tom was bringing up, um, I always I actually really hated the whole paradox issue, or at least how, it was always confusing how to implement it directly because, um. Where I liked it to be, where was uh, where Tom and I have done it, is that if you do it just overt magic in front of people, then yeah, you're going to call the technocracy on you. But in the books, they've almost described it as if you're bending reality too much, well, a lightning bolt's going to come down on you, or you'll grow old, or you get knocked into some, some paradox realm where you're born over and over and over again. Some weird-ass shit. Yeah. Um, well, the idea, I mean, yeah, again, it was a limiting factor. Like vampires, their limiting factor was their amount of blood and their humanity. Vampires was the amount of rage and gnosis they had in order to That's feel their gifts. Well, sorry, werewolf, sorry. And, and then in, and the, the paradox was the, the sort of way to keep mages from being too powerful. It was a sort of mm-hmm. a limiting game mechanic. Um, so, but now, of course, then we have the new world of darkness. So, um, did you, uh, want to talk? Oh, no. uh, okay. I just wanted to know: Has anybody played Mage of the Awakening? I've read it. I've read. I've read. I've read. I don't know anything. I've never even. I've never even looked at the books. I I have. Um, The basic idea is it goes into um, more of into a pulp angle where like it really goes into the myth of Atlantis and the idea that there's this ideal civilization. With Atlantis is kind of a metaphor for this, you know, superhuman civilization with the magic, and then of course everything gets fucked up. And um, basically, the way it is is that there is no technocracy. They have what they call the seers of the throne, and these are basically people that worship the the godlike old mages, the, the the Atlanteans or the remnants of the Atlanteans, who want to control reality for their own ends, and they don't even know who these people on the throne are or these godlike ma- wizards are. The fir- the first ones who to ascend to, to ultimate power, but they they worship it, and they so they control reality and they try and kill all the other mages. So it's the same basic mechanic: oppressive conspiracy. You know, trying mm-hmm. to eradicate all the reality deviants, but there's no men in black. There's no technocracy. Mm-hmm. It's a seers of the throne. It's very much more um, conspiratorial and very, very uh, ominous. And the, they operate in a much more paranoid or fat. It's, it's uh, like I said. I, I've only read the book. I, I, ha- I haven't read the entire book. I've read sections of it and summaries of it. And it's very much more uh, oriented towards um, sort of again like this pulp urban fantasy thing where shit gets really weird really quickly and um, sort of new urban horror where like you have these you know invisible conspiracies of people that just show up and kill people and disappear and what the fuck's going on ah! so um, it's pretty it's it's a very interesting setting but the the spheres are still there the basic mechanics are still the same and they're still very powerful so it's more like a fantasy an urban fantasy kind of thing than anything else um, or magical reading well, not mad- realism, but you get the idea. So it is something that they're China trying- So they are introducing more of the horror aspect into this. Yeah, yeah, it's more it fantasy goes. horror than it is anything yeah, else. Yeah, because at least when reading the mage books, uh, that's the one thing I always thought it was lacking too. It never really seemed that uh, it's like uh, dark or horrifying to it because you did have groups like um, the Euthanatos who were more or less the death cult. Uh, the death cult that were trying to trim well, the family, yeah, the fear of humanity. So, yeah. um, or you had the main enemies like the Nefondis who were the. Uh, it's like the. Uh, uh, it's like infernal mages who had their avatars, or they're, yeah. they're the, the prime thing that would allow mages to do what oh, they did. The, the um, main thing is, um, 
the central metaphors change in the in the new world of darkness the mages it's very much about a game of hubris like like how much power you will have and how much you'll sacrifice for power and that kind of thing as opposed to the old one which is you know what is reality and again more the it's more i think explicitly fighting for a lost cause. there's that, that that thing in the 90s where like you're fighting for a lost cause and blah 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 and this one is more like what would you do for power? It's very Faustian in, oh, in so a sense. So, um, so if if you're taking it in the terms of the old, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Of the old world tech, well, it's no longer like these are the good mages. These are like the the seers of the throne are bad. They're really fucking bad. But like the uh, the good, there are no like good ma- like. There's no like oh, we're so awesome and nice and pure and we're fighting well, to save uh, everybody. You know. Um, so so in the terms of basically like if you look at it in the old one, it most of the mages right now if they're trying to grab power are more like the Heliopic Heliopic Brotherhood of Raw. Um, also, now that's not right. Um, so I'm trying to think of things. well in the um, old, in the old world of darkness, there were the player characters who were good, and there's yeah. the technocracy <laughs> which was bad. It's no longer that simple. Like there's the series of throne who are bad, and then the player characters who are well, I don't know what are they like? Eh, like how bad are you? Can work with them. Yeah, yeah. I, I seem to be noticing a theme here with the the old versus the new. It seems like things are actually getting darker. Things are actually yeah. becoming, uh, you know, more. Personal, as far as like yeah. ethics and morals, especially in the new case, um, it's less about like, oh, I'm going to fight the system, and more about like, well, what's your personal ethos? What's, yeah. what's going on here, and how are you going to deal with this power that you're trying to attain? Yeah, that's definitely even in games like Hunter the Vigil, you have that like. Um, because, uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll talk about the other game lines. Um, there's Hunter, which was Hunter the Reckoning in the Old World of Darkness. Hunter the Reckoning? There was Hunter's Hunted first. Well, that was a that was a single supplement. That wasn't Hunt, a game Hunter line. the Reckoning didn't come out until like the time of the Judgment. Well, so, it so. came out a few years before. It was like two. Yeah, two but it was kind years. of leading into that stuff. Right. It was kind of leading things, into things. Things were getting so bad. Apocalypse was descending. Gehenna, whatever the hell you wanted right. to call it. So that's where uh, suddenly, hey, look, well, humans with vast. We're just talking about the, the game line. Yeah. So yeah, there is Hunter's Hunter. Yeah, actually, which they were kind of described. They were kind of described as people that had the powers from the their exalted game right well basically they've been possessed by like you hear voices in your head and they tell you to kill things and you mm-hmm. like you go out and do that so it's playing like a paranoid schizophrenic <laughs> with bargain basement superpowers um, whereas if you looked at hunters hunted you were just regular mortals who might have right. like a couple extra things like you could have numina which was basically psychic psychic hedge powers. magic or hedge powers yeah hedge you, magic you, you yeah. could have hedge magic or you could have true faith, which was like the yeah. priests and the, it was, the it, holy yeah, Hunter's Hunter was a single supplement but, for any World of Darkness. But you game, were so. very low powered as far as your stats right. and everything like that. that, so, that that's so if you, you wanted. Did, to, yeah, right. You know, like if you did go ahead and tackle like a beginning vampire, you were you were needing to be prepared. You could not just go straight up and fight right. Them. It was very much a how to do a Van Helsing type game, like a very classical vampire mm-hmm. hunter game. Um, but that was that was a single game. So there was Hunter the Reckoning. Now it became Hunter the Vigil. Hunter the Vigil is again a very toolkit thing where you can do everything from that very low mm-hmm. end, like even you know down to Fright Night level, like ah we got to kill one vampire tenant. to say Blade or like a Torchwood or something like or that, the, like yeah. yeah. Uh yeah, they they have actually there's a, there's like they have all kinds of material for that. Um, then of course so just going on down line then there's wraith. 
Ghosts. race, yeah, the Oblivion. Then it became Orpheus, where you became spirit hunters, basically, like people, Ghostbusters, in a sense, um, who dealt with, you know, haunted houses and stuff like that. And that that was also, actually, there was a, it was all meta plot driven. There were like six books, and they each had a different meta plot, and that, like, they led into one another, and that led all the way into the time of judgment. So it's really, it was a really interesting experiment, and it's really well done. Um, and now in the New World of Darkness, they have Geist where uh, it's a game I'm not super familiar with either. It's uh, you play a person who has died and become but come back to life because you've been possessed by a spirit. And the spirit grants you basically enter into a symbiotic relationship where you get superpowers basically and you have to go help them deal with their business and, of course, deal with evil spirits. And um, in Geist, I've heard that Geist characters are, if anything, overpowered. Like they're even more powerful than mages. They're certainly – yeah, I've heard they're ridiculous ridiculously powerful um then we have promethean uh which was in the new world of darkness but not in the old world of darkness that's where you're playing a frankenstein an artificial person a golem the or closest you could get to that was like like a, a gargoyle or something that was yeah. created by but they they were vampires still the gargoyles yeah yeah, were Shamashet, yeah um and in Promethean, it's very it's very interesting because it's very much about being a lone, tortured being that literally uh, poisons and pollutes everything around them. So it's like if you want to play a, a Frankenstein that's being chased yeah. eternally chased by mobs of people, then uh, yeah. then we have Changeling, which yes, um, I got to uh, play one game of that in the old world of darkness. Yeah, Changeling I, to Dreaming. Yeah, and I did not care for it. Right, because that really is um, basically you live off of imagination. And what's it about, Tom? What's the specifics? Once again, I played one game. You actually play a fairy. Well, it, yeah, it was pretty much uh, fairy tales yeah, made like real. Like playing fairies. Like you could be a red cap, or you could be a Sid, Puka, Puka. or yeah, or a uh, dark Sid. Uh, and, or I don't know if you could be a dark Sid. But the idea was like you you lived off. Uh, I forgot what the energy was called, but it was basically dreams, creativity, and that kind of thing. And then the thing you fought were the forces of banality, which destroyed those. So again, it's very much a Neil Gaiman kind of thing. But in that, um, you definitely you, you play a fae. Yeah. You are you are a fairy. Right. Which is and it was okay but the new one, but the new one. Oh my I love the new old, the new world of darkness. Changeling Changeling, changeling, changeling the, lost. The, the lost. The lost. That's it. Yes. This is one like well you're you you are actually a changeling, a person kidnapped by the fae and yeah. often replaced with a fake version of you. Right. And you are basically taken to the realm of the fae and the true fae is the true fae and tortured basically. Right. Abused and imprisoned for years, centuries even. Right. And that you, it, through all of it, you become part fey and are no longer human. Entirely and then, human. And, yeah. and then you manage to escape one day. Right. And then you come back to the world and you find out you're part ice or part fire or part, you know, dead person or whatever. And so, like, so once again, darker and, and, and I mean really dark because you're playing a post-traumatic stress disorder character right. there. You've right. been tortured for like a year or and the years is, or centuries. You're still terrified I mean, of ridiculous. being rediscovered by the true fae. Like you're afraid that they'll find you again. So you, you spend the game fucking hiding from the true fae are ridiculously powerful. Oh yeah, yeah, Which yeah, is- and they're very alien. They're almost like the like it's it's better to think of them as like minor great old ones from the Cthulhu mythos than as you know oh, like amazing. yeah yeah they're they're really fucking bizarre and evil. Yeah, because uh, by our standards. Yeah, because you were mentioning that yeah, in comparison to the old uh, and to the uh, old changeling. Yeah, everything was as you said it was very Neil Gaiman. It's very 
pastel. It's very, it's beautiful but sad. Yeah. And the fact that the world is fading and there's almost nothing you can do to stop it. Right. Uh, stop it versus yeah, this one which is just rather fucking evil and scary. Yeah. And as you're a torture victim hiding out from your abuser. Oh yeah, yeah it's well, just in this case, okay. your abuser. Yeah. Is a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, good luck with that. Uh, but it gave you superpowers. But ha, like, yeah, you don't. No, really, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, um, yeah. The game we uh, I ran of the Hunter Changeling game based on Slenderman had the Slenderman as a true fate, basically that you know kidnapped you and turned you into thing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, let's see the other uh, lines. There's also Mummy: The Resurrection, which I don't know. I, I've never played. Now. Right, it's Old World of Darkness. It was like one or two books. It was a very minor game line. We just mentioned this mm-hmm. here, just. To know, hey, there's there was a thing. Yeah, uh, essentially, mummy, you're pretty overpowered. I mean, even for starting level characters, your stats are like really high. But the, the whole idea is that uh, you you are like a millennia old or whatever. You are very old, but your character, you know, it has a lot of the Egyptian ideology of uh, the ka and the ba, which is like the soul and the body and your soul. If you die, your soul goes into the underworld, comes back, re-inhabits the body, reconstitutes, reforms, and so on and so forth. Um, There's a lot of like the way you play it and and magic's involved in it and stuff like that. But, you know, it was one of those games that really did not balance well with everything else. Right. It was a later game. It was very minor. Uh, almost as I think it was one of the low points. I think uh, all, along with Kindred of the East, uh, it worked just fine. As it worked fine, like I said, a lot of these other characters and themes and things worked fine as like NPCs. You could throw them in; they could be interesting enemies to tackle or allies to befriend. But to to play them along with everything else really just broke the game. Yeah, and uh, I have to comment on what you just said. Yeah, Kindred of the East. The only reason that exists is because ninjas were cool. That is literally the only reason that came out. Anonymous. When Kindred of the East came out, uh, that was actually, I think, my 18th birthday. And, uh, yeah, date me a little bit here. But anyways, whenever it came out, I had always heard playing Vampire all the way through, like, Beware the East, my child, was something that Cain kind of prophesied. And so whenever they came out, I was like, oh, expecting these super badass, like, vampire types. And then I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, I, I remember that was the first book I read cover to cover, and I still didn't understand it. Yeah, and I and tried to, like, Because they had nothing in it. common with it other vampires. nothing really in common they with vampires. Really they, were, they were more yeah. like demons, you know, right. and, uh, like Japanese demons, so very different. And because it was an Eastern storytelling style, like, it's so different from what we're used to in the Western storytelling style. And so it's right. very hard to like understand or to mesh well with an already established campaign. Um, I interviewed one of the writers, freelance writers for White Wolf, who did Blood, Blood Dim Blood Tide. Blood Dim Tide is one of my favorite source uh, right. books. Right, and um, he actually mentioned, it was weird to me that vampires who lived under the o- in the oceans for centuries were more had more in common with the, the, the average vampires than they did with the vampires of Japan. Like, what the hell was that all about? You know, like that, yeah, and I was like, yeah, that's a good point. Why the hell are they? Yeah. That, that makes no, that shit makes no sense. Well, instead of like humanity, you had like yin and yang. You know, you yeah, had yeah. Like the, the way that that balanced. It was, out. it was, it was. Um, 
We speak of it only to be comprehensive, and we right. shall never speak right. of it again. But uh, and I mean, the other one we've got is what Demon the Fallen. Yeah, Demon is the Fallen is the other major line that I have written down. Uh, of course, the, not mentioning the historical settings, like they had Vampire Dark Ages, they had White Wolf, the Wild West. Uh, Which they, they sounds also like had, a great uh, idea. They had some sort of werewolf. Chi- werewolf the Wild West just sounds like an awesome. There was idea, uh, yeah. some like mage in the Renaissance era. There's also no. It was mage the the. Uh, oh geez, what was it? Then? Um, they had like everything in the Dark Ages, though. They had like werewolf the Dark Ages. They had yeah, yeah. I have, I have werewolf. Ages. Yeah, so they had a lot of historical material. Um, but Demon the Fallen. Uh, um, sorry, actually, that's a uh, Mage the Sorcerer's Crusade. That's the one that okay. is probably go through Middle Age. One. Okay. Um, the Inquisitors. Right, the, but the Inquisitors. Demon the Fallen. That's where uh, that was a game I've actually run one or two sessions of. Uh, I have the main book, and the basic idea is that all the demon or a lot of the demons escape from hell, and they possess people that just died. Like, and so they take over. They have the memories of the dead person, but they're in control of the body. So you're playing basically a, hu- a demon spirit walking around in flesh, uh, because that's the only way they can stay out of hell. Yeah, they're fallen angels. The idea is, do you do you try and redeem yourself, or do you just like fuck it? I'm, I'm back demon. on earth. Yeah, I was like, are you going to be just a fallen angel, or are you like fuck it? I'm a demon. Yeah, uh, and of course they all had different groups, and they had different aspects. And the yeah. thing I really liked were um, the Earthbound, which were you actually did an Earthbound game. Yeah, this is uh, when like you are. You're not an angel anymore. Yeah. The Earthbound were like ridiculously powerful, minor godlike, not godlike, but super powerful. And they actually had the source book where you could stat them out and like run them like character. The thing was that they, they, they had to be in stationary form. So you were like a big bad boss guy and you had to use your minions to do shit. And it was really cool. Um, but uh, that was a minor game line, and, and uh, there's no equivalent now. So. Mummy, yeah, Mummy and Demon had no equivalent in the new yeah. system, at least not. The They've new streamlined world. a lot of stuff. Um, so, but there were there was something else that came out uh, uh, that was D20 Monty Cook's World of Darkness uh, that kind of incorporated a lot of these things. Uh, yeah, I remember uh, Brian trying to run those games, and I, yeah, I do remember like some specific things like. Uh, like it, it works great if you just want to buy one book so you can run all these various factions if that's really what you want to do. Um, but things are very different. The meta plot is insane. Like it's got essentially something called the Inkanu, which are the equivalent of the old ones uh, that have drilled a, and that have drilled a hole into reality. Uh, while some humans have kind of. Uh, Awoken to that aspect and have this spiritual energy that are holding them back, preventing the the old ones from fully establishing themselves here. But that real that part of the world where they bore through has become like just completely chaotic. The humans that have awoken have this 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 own class called awakened, and you have certain abilities that are uh, exceeding humans. You also have vampires, werewolves. Demons, and uh, I think that th- that's the bulk of it. Right. It um, was a. It was. I don't think they even released supplements for it. There was just no. The one it was just the one, it. and I don't think it was popular um, enough. No, no, no. It but, was just but the one. There off. is that as yeah, an yeah. option for anybody that wants you can to try it, and yeah. sample these kinds yeah. of things. Um, so that kind of gives you the you the listener out there uh, a sample of like what kind of game lines are out there. There are also, of course, a lot of stuff in the new World of Darkness, uh, like they have World of Darkness Innocence for playing children. Uh, they they also huh. Second side for playing mortals with psychic powers or unusual powers. Uh, they they have um, you know a good number of source books for trying different types of vampires or werewolves or whatever. Um, but so you know we've talked a little bit about. Um, 
you know, play styles and how it tend to be more super heroic rather than, you know, horrific. Um, Um, uh, I I wouldn't mention this before we go into anything else. Um, Just as for mentioning source materials for anybody else building their own game. Yeah. um, As a dire warning to those who might be doing any kind of old world, uh, old world of darkness. um, There was a series based on vampire called the kindred. Kindred Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, If you ever come across it, just ignore it. It's poor. It is horrific. You will never, it it, it does not tell you anything good about the old system. I own it. You know what? It's not as bad as Aaron's making it out to be. It could be twilight, but it is not. It gives you, it, you know, it, it felt right into that 90s style Aaron Spelling drama TV show. Some of the characters were actually kind of interesting. Um, unfortunately, the writing and all this, they couldn't figure out how dark they wanted to go, how, uh, you know, soap opera they wanted to go. So it kind of like bounced back and forth a lot. It wasn't a, as bad as Aaron's making it out yeah. to be. It's pretty okay. bad. It's pretty well, bad. You the listener should go out and decide for yourself. We'll put the oh. link up to it. And actually, there's one more source book I got to men- give a mention to. Okay, I mentioned before, but Project Twilight, right? Another which is essentially old world like darkness. it's old world darkness. It's government agents. Yeah, not like you know the secret government conspiracy, conspiracy, but like FBI X Files type stuff. It's a really good source book, and actually, the adventure they have in the, in the book, uh, the Saint Clair Contract, is a really good adventure. Okay, for old world um, darkness. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think like what they what they took a lot of that material, and they actually you should read more of Hunter the Vigil because all of that is now in Hunter the Vigil. Like you can do like it's structured so you can do it as a government task force, and like it's now Project Valkyrie or Task Force mm-hmm. Valkyrie or yeah, whatever. And um, because again, that emphasizes the, the the thing is Hunter the Vigil can be everything from very low level Fright Night level to say mid level where you're you know project twilight slash you know government agents to very high level kind of pulp thing where you have holy artifacts and you're you know fucking devil may cry running around you know blowing up vampires with magic shotguns or whatever so um so so tom mentioned earlier that uh you know both systems can kind of work together yeah uh as as a game master if you want to um what do you guys think do you guys think that you should just for someone new coming to the system, do you think that it should be just, hey, look at the the new world of darkness, look at the classic world of darkness, so you can get a foothold here, and, and kind of play and understand why everybody reveres this old system? You know why some? Of the I don't think everybody fans, reveres the it. older the older fans revere. Well, the there, there is certainly it. a dedicated fan base. I well, mean, I would say if you're a brand new player, no, no, uh, stick with one or the other, and then find. Do a unified game. Like, if you want to do vampire, do all vampires. I, I'd if say you're, if, if you're you, going to start, if you haven't started on the old world of darkness, now don't like just just stick with the new mm. period. Like, don't but, even. But, but yeah, but because like, that's a huge can of worms. Because there's so much material. You'll read one book and you're like, oh, what's this and what's this, and then you'll you'll. The thing is, you you start adding in more and more material, and I really do think less is more with the world of darkness. But, like, and, but one or two books. But if you start with the new world of darknesses, I think you should. If yeah. you're totally new, and don't don't do the monster mash right away. Yeah, the monster master by that would like, especially in the old world of darkness, because everything was taking place in the same world, was to add everything fucking together at the same time. Like I know he's really common in the Springfield LARP. He's like, oh, what do you want to be? We accept all races, and by that we mean you can be a vampire, a werewolf, a mage, a fucking changeling, whatever you want. Any book was accepted, and so 
it got fucking redonkulous. I remember I I was at they were didn't they didn't have enough mortals in the fucking game. So the one session I played, I made like a Tyler Durden esque anarchist bomber, and he was a mortal <laughs> with lots of contacts, and so I could always get in, sneak in, and sabotage it. And so like my first game, what do you do? Okay, I'm gonna throw a Molotov cocktail at those jerks over there. Oh, uh, what do you do? Oh, well I'm aware Naga, I have eight dots of celerity, so I catch the Molotov in midair. Like I'm out. <laughs> you know, I'm gone. I'm done. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I agree that you probably should. If anybody's coming into it new, definitely go with the new books because it is a lot allowing a, a broader stroke of where do you uh, if you're wanting to get used to the, the system which is now in use, or that's like or use the baseline information that's like for creating up your own games. But I still think that the old world of darkness actually provides a lot of good resources so instead of uh, like i said definitely not buying every single book that you come across um but if you should if you if you decide that you like the game and you should come across an old mage or werewolf manual that costs like five to ten dollars go ahead and pick it up i think a lot of them i think a lot of them you can as pdfs as well yeah so so they should be free i'm certain yeah yeah, i'm certain those are torrents yeah, they're okay. on RPG drive. You know, RPG now uh, drive through RPG. They're they're in both, so you can get them from uh, or just go to White Wolf. You know, their website and look on their store. They, um, I'm sure they have all a link there. Yeah, because the the old stuff right now is really interested. I actually find myself going through a lot of my old books. Like I I have like a uh, for Mage like a book of worlds that that, that created up that I'm always picking it uh, cherry picking for different bits of games that I'm right. uh, I'm developing. So, um, but there's a lot of stuff to go through it. So yeah, use it. That's uh, like use the baseline system firsthand. But if you want to spice things up or just find more interesting thing, weird things to put in there, definitely take a look at the old stuff. Yeah, I mean, there there's a difference between uh, like cherry picking really good ideas from a huge library of books, or then trying to grow an entire complex, you know, several editions of this material, especially the time of judgment stuff, where it gets fucking ridiculous, and you have to, and it's it's just even for people who are well versed in it, trying to keep track of all that. So, like, there's a reason why they wipe the slate clean. Um, yeah. Uh, if if I was to rec- recommend something, I kind of go with what Tom said. You know, focus on one of the creatures. You know, if you, I would definitely recommend going with New World of Darkness because it's accessible. It's going to be what's at your hobby shop. It's not not going to be like a, a chore to try to find like on Amazon or eBay the right. old classic World of Darkness. But if you're to get that new stuff. You can still incorporate a lot of the old Metaplot. You can find those resources on online. You can find PDFs of them. But focus on one. Like focus on vampire, focus on werewolf, whatever you want, whatever your group wants to do. You can bring in other characters later if you need to. Yeah. But first focus on those. And uh, for instance, if you focus on the new vampire system, there's a lot of interesting stuff within there. But let's say you want to bring in some of the old meta plot, you know, that, that I've said I've loved. Um, it doesn't matter, you know. Kane could be the first. Kane could be the first, and, and this Longinus and all this other stuff could be just secondary, um, or it could be something else. You could make it however you want as a DM. But uh, the political and the social aspect should be the bit, the big thing. How do these covens work together? How do they not work together? How do the clans and the and the old system, if that's what you want to go with, work together? How do they not? There's the Camarilla, which is the standard right. group that that rule over you know how vampires function in our society. Then there's the Sabbat, the Black Hand, that kind of underhands you know right. 
you know, changes things. There is, then there's the Inkanu and yeah. that system, which is right. like the secret society hidden underneath it all. And like they all are warring factions. And, and the thing to focus on, especially in Vampire, is the political uh, turmoil, the way that things function, the, the way that you have to interact and be diplomatic with each other. Um, but if you're running like a man, mind's eye theater, you know, you're going to be getting a gambit of a lot of these things. Uh, one of my favorite aspects of a mind's eye theater game was a, I was like, I don't want to play a vampire. I don't want to play a friggin' werewolf. You know what? Nobody is playing a mortal. Why, why is nobody playing a mortal? Well, because mortals get their ass handed to them. So I decided to play a dirty cop that helped, uh, coyote, people across the state lines to uh, feed vampires. Um, and the, the the DM of this group was like, wow, that's super dark. Holy shit. And, of course, me and my buddy played Smith & Wesson. That was a, the name of right, our right. So we were really having fun with that. But, I mean, there, there's all kinds of shit you can do with that. Um, I think I, the, the key, no matter what, yeah, definitely the new world for the mechanics, uh, and you know, yeah, if you, if you want to to mine the de- mine the depths of the old world of darkness for ideas, that certainly you know just don't get lost down there um, because there's so much out there. Uh, but I think the key, more than any other type of horror game, is expectations of the group, and that's something you really you just hit on that. Like, do you want to do a personal horror game where like politics isn't very important, or do you want to do like Machiavellian? political intrigue like in the new world of darkness there's a whole book on like doing city politics and controlling neighborhoods and shit like that but if you everyone just wants like i'm a guy who's turned by vampire by mistake and i'm just trying to redeem myself to my family you know try to protect them yeah yeah something if you want to do some sort of personal quest or whatever and you don't want to do that or you want to do more like a silent hill like horror like creep like i'm a vampire who's haunted by the people he's killed accidentally ah you know like something like that or like a vampire investigator you know like then you don't want the int- political intrigue. You don't want to add in all that shit. So you really have to make sure you're only adding in the ingredients your players are going to want. Uh, like if you want action, that's fine. There's whole supplements for military shit, like dogs of war, and there's all kinds of shit like to add stunting and like all this other stuff. But if you don't want that, then don't put it in there. Um, so it's it's just kind of a matter because uh, there's that's the mistake here is if you add too many like you can you can always. If you add in, once you add something in, it's really hard to take it out. So, like, it's, it's, and that, it's the extra ingredient that's going to ruin everything. It's like cooking, you know? Uh, you can't just throw everything in a pot together and hope it'll taste good. But your house will explode. Yeah, exactly. That, that's what, it hasn't happened yet, but, you know, you never know. Wait for it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, any other, uh, last topics about, uh, discussion about the world of darkness? Or, um, yeah. Uh, Aaron has a few words. No, this is just a correction. When I said Heliopic Brotherhood of Raw, I actually meant Order of Hermes. I just wanted to correct myself on that before wow, somebody. That, how did you get those two? I know, isn't that that first one from Hellboy? Yeah, well, that's, it apparently was a real organization. Yeah, <laughs> I think the Hellboy used it too. But yeah, but the yeah, Hellboy. Or, yeah, it was just like the first thing that popped in my mind. But I actually meant Order of Hermes. I am sorry. Wow, that was a pretty impressive error. Uh, so my last yeah. get blood dim tides. Because it it, they have stuff for everything in there. For oceans, it's a. It's but a, for the oceans, but for every one of the games. For the old world of darkness, yes, it's definitely, yeah. Um, so yeah, okay. Well, uh, next up we have a letter from Tom, yes. and we have shoutouts and an anecdote uh, that is vampire related. Well, not vampire, but horror related. So.
likes cliches? Now that is a question that normally gets more nays than an equestrian orgy. But does anyone really know why certain things become cliches? Ironically, things become cliches by at one point being cool and memorable. The cringeworthy parodies of Bullet Time that came from The Matrix, where Bullet Time was one of the most jaw-dropping awesome things ever. Or how about the cliché of the sudden dramatic close-up of a character's face during a dramatic moment? We grow now, but at one point it was a great tool in filmmaking. But this letter is about one cliché in particular, and the reason will be obvious later. The cliché I'm talking about is, it was all a dream. Everyone who has even a modicum of knowledge about culture knows about this cliché. It's when a character suddenly awakens at a dramatic moment, revealing that all of the events of the story were nothing more than a dream. There are many examples of this cliché. One famous example is The Wizard of Oz. I'm going to focus on the movie, as I am not a big reader of very old books. But remember the movie? After going through the Technicolor smorgasbord that was Oz, the professor apparently suffers a minor stroke and can't figure out how to make a hot air balloon go down. As she sits there, Dorothy looks screwed. Then the Good Witch shows up after getting Dorothy to do the dirty work of taking out her sister. Then the Good Witch does some non-magic, causing Dorothy to wake up. She wakens in her bed, realizing the whole fucking thing was a dream. What a kick to the vagina. I hope you enjoyed your romp through the bright and colorful dreamscape. Now get back to your drab, dark reality and get to work repairing the tornado damage. And then get back to milking cows. Oh, and that old lady is still coming for your dog. The bullet time cliché is a fairly new one. It only, beca- it only came in 1999. The dream cliché is very old, and most of the time it adds nothing but crap. Only a few times has it worked. The Twilight Zone is one of those times. The episode Midnight Sun is an example where it works. The earth is hurtling towards the sun, and the heat is rising. At the climax, the protagonist wakes up, revealing it to be a dream. In reality, the earth is moving away from the sun, and free- everyone is freezing to death. Or in the 1968 Tales in the Crypt, it didn't work out so well. A man wakes up from a car accident, thinking it was a minor wreck. Then he realizes he died and is a zombie. Then he wakes up, still in the car. It was a dream. Then the accident happens again. These are just a couple of times when it worked or just barely failed. Most of the time, it makes you sick. And now to the reason of the cliché hatred. Like many people, I have been thoroughly involved with Mass Effect 3. And like many, the endings drove me to the point of Hulk-like rage. And like many, I have heard people on the internet espouse the theory that Shepard is indoctrinated, that everything that happened in the ending wasn't real. Think about that. People hate the ending so much they would rather have the it's a dream cliche be true than have the actual endings be true. When the cliche is more acceptable than reality, that is a sure sign of the apocalypse. Well, that was a very good letter, Tom. You know that the sudden halting words just, yeah. and dropping. I just tone. remember the, the words from two comic book characters, comic characters that I hold dear, near and dear to my heart: Cool Frog and Dolphin. And they say, "Quit getting mad at video games." So, yeah, quit getting mad at video games. Well, no. Okay, I'm going to get mad at them, Ross. That you're going to ignore Cool Frog and Dolphin. You don't do, even know who Cool Frog and Dolphin are. No, I'm are. not, but I'm going to do my thing. Yeah, fine. Do that. 
We're not mad at the video games. We're mad at the creators, those bastards. Uh, I think you're that. That's 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 just getting a little too much into semantics. Anyways, let's have some shout outs and stuff. Uh, let's see. Here. First off, of course, we have the two Kickstarters that I mentioned in the news, Bumps of the Night and Sins of the Slide of Hand Man. So uh, if you like good Call of Cthulhu material from Pagan Publishing Arc Dream, hey. Um, next up, we have Drifter, a web series set, uh, that was created here in Springfield, Missouri by my friend Jason Brazier, uh, who helped produce the Zombies of the World web series. And this is a post-apocalyptic Western. So uh, there's there, everything is bad and everything's been destroyed, but people are still shooting each other with guns while staring before staring. You know, they stare at each other, then they shoot each other. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so, perfectly, perfectly understandable. Yeah, so yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, Jason, you wanted to mention a novel you've read recently uh yeah i'm taking a young adult literature class uh so that i can be a teacher oh yay uh but one of the novels i got to pick was a sci-fi novel called uh feed by mt anderson a very interesting kind of uh sci-fi novel that deals with uh children being born and having this microchip put into their head to where they can uh they have a constant feed it's sort of like the news feed of Facebook constantly being streamed. Google Reader in your brain. So uh, not only was this, this was seen as like a great idea, like educational wise, you know, like, oh, I've got the Encyclopedia Britannica at my fingertips. But instead it's become like a consumer outlet to where all various industries have uh, bombarded children with these things. And so their language, their, their knowledge, Everything has become like very detrimental that they cannot uh, they cannot focus very well they 're very ADD. this this does not help the society and it's it 's a very interesting take on the things uh, it is It is kind of a difficult read because you have to read like you are talking like a teenager and i 'm not talking even like your valley girl talk i 'm talking way worse than that right but uh it's it's a very very interesting commentary on our society today. You know, well, you know, we also saw the Hunger Games recently. I'm not going to give a shout out to that because it doesn't need our help. But um, I do want to mention that you bring up something I did recently that there's been this huge surge in the popularity of young adult fiction, particularly dystopian uh, young adult uh, fiction. And there's a writer um, of this fiction. I think he did one called The Uglies or the something like that. Yeah. Uh, and he described the reason why it's so popular is because um, the, the, the these students identify with these dystopian worlds because they live in our K-12 through educational system, which is basically a dystopian future, if you really think about it. I mean, all the, all the uh, conformity of prison and none of the hope of uh, escape until, you know, of an early release. Until your 12-year sentence. Yeah, yeah, so. until your yeah, everyone's got the same sense, and there's the, there's no early release. Um, so uh, that's just a little interesting aside. Um, Aaron, did you have one? Or I can't remember. Uh, yeah, actually, I uh, had two specifically, uh, which are which are more just evocative of me being late to the game on certain great shows or games yeah. or whatnot. Uh, the first one is actually I have, I have to thank Ross for this is uh, watching Community. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, if, that's like if those who are not familiar with it, which is probably that's like not very probably likely. not many. Yeah, yeah. most people are familiar with it. Uh, the wacky hijinks of the the uh, Spanish. Uh, well, the, it changes each. Well, season. basically, just the study group at Green uh, Community College. College. So, uh, which has a lot of uh, just great things. Uh, the first episode I actually got to see, which uh, if you anybody just hit 
Ed has a chance to see the zombie one, which I could only say. Season I, two. Yeah, yeah I was looking six. at it going, wow, they actually went there. Um, yeah, that just impresses great. the hell out of me, other than just being. Uh, there's also a Dungeons and Dragons episode, yeah, explicitly said, Dungeons and Dragons. Or being a Doctor Who fan, I've, I've heard a lot about the Professor Space time. I, I haven't, and, that's season three I haven't watched. I've only watched the first two seasons yet. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it definitely is. It's a fun show. And it's almost, it, it's wavering on, it, it's been renewed for now, but I wanted to make sure that there's four years. So yeah, that they can at least finish four years. You can do things, college. please, NBC. Uh, so, all right. The other second one is, again, me being late to the game, Amnesia the Dark Descent. I finally have been able to... Oh, yeah. Since Everyone I've should play dec- that. Yeah, since I've gotten a decent video card, I went ahead and put that on there and find myself constantly on the edge of uh, weeing myself in certain situations oh, yeah. about that. Especially the fact that I, when I, Ross officially informed me, because it's like, what's the attack button? You don't have one. Oh, God, no, you no. You run. Yeah, yeah, you run. And, oh. you- and I actually ended up before... We came. Uh, it's like before we came over uh, to do the recording. I was actually playing through a little bit more and yeah. found myself almost jumping out of my seat because I had uh, gotten four elixirs to combine into an acid. Like, oh, I'm going to complete this puzzle, and suddenly this red flesh growth nearly consumes me as I'm running out the door. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Shit, 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 shit. <laughs> yeah, it explodes or something. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, yeah, that's fun. It oh is my god. Fun, so I would. Uh, uh, yeah, I really, Amnesia is a great game, and like and I had to condition myself to not be afraid of by just running up and dying several times. Like, okay, that's the worst that could happen. <laughs> I can now try and play the game. So that was I. De- I had to desensitize myself to it. So, oh yeah, that's. So I don't know if that's cheating or not. No, but, that's not uh, cheating. But uh, I would say. Oh, my favorite Amnesia uh, Dark Descent uh, anecdote isn't even me playing the game. I just saw Thad was playing late at night, uh, you know, RPPR regular Thad. And so I just sent him a message saying, look behind you. (laughs) And like 10 seconds later, he's like, God damn it, Ross. <laughs> so it's it's a really fun game. Oh, and by true. that I mean, yeah, it, um, it will and, fr- it's and, not a game that is fun. It oh is yeah, it's just no, it's yeah, it's going to hurt you mentally and yeah. make you have bad dreams. Although it has been confirmed for a sequel. Um I believe it's called a- Amnesia Machine for Pigs. So Oh wow, that sounds even more fun. Yeah, it's gonna be that yeah, uh, Tom, you. Yeah, you I do. I do have one. Okay, it's once again on my quest for watching '80s horror movies. Okay, this one's called this one's called Destroyer. Destroyer. Yeah, it's uh, actually an '80s horror movie that had uh, Anthony Perkins in it. Okay, from Psycho. Okay, and uh, it's it says like at a, it said it all set at a prison where uh, at one night they try to execute this guy. Who uh, of course the power goes out and of course he wa- he awakens from the electric chair and goes on a rampage. Of course, and then it's like eighteen months later the prison's closed and they're shooting a movie there and Anthony Perkins is the director of this movie that they're shooting. But the guy still lives in the prison and of course he becomes obsessed with one of the one of the female characters and then very slowly and then suddenly kills everyone off in the entire set. Ah. Uh-huh. I see. It's uh, it is total nineteen eighties slasher fl- slasher stuff in a prison. I got gotcha. you. Even though the main the main character, the destroyer, is like uh, I forget the guy's. I know his last name is Alzado. Okay. He uh, like was an ex NFL player who okay. acted in a few movies. But this guy is like this guy is freaking ginormous. <laughs> okay. Well, that just makes it means it's mm-hmm. a better movie. I mean, yeah. 
Um, of course, I will mention the Kindred of the Embrace since you know we we have that. Oh, uh, that, God. that exists. Uh, then I do want to mention actually they still release fiction on a regular basis in the New World of Darkness. And the best one I've read from either any the, the best single book I've read from any the old or the New World of Darkness period is a Hunter book called the Horror Recognition Guide. And it's there's no game stats at all. It's just a collection of reports from hunters, and they're all like different they're stitched together like like there's a guy who's basically a liquor store clerk and he sees that the the old woman across the street is doing something freaky so he starts investigating her and figures out oh my god she's controlling a flock of birds to do her bidding and she's killing people with them what the fuck do i do because everything every story is like a really unique and weird fucked up horror it's not like a standard thing it shows the world of art new world of artists you can create your own really weird and new and unique things that players won't expect you know, like the old woman is, is is great because she's like, I just want to kill them so I can be in the young woman's bodies for a while so I can feel young again. And you're like, uh, and he's just like freaking out, like, ah, uh, like, so then I killed her, set the house on fire, ran away. And you know, like, that's how it ends. Like, he says, I don't know what the fuck to do, you know. And then there's like, a, a, no, like in someone else's handwriting, like, yeah, he went missing three months later, you know, something like that. They actually have a changeling story, like, like, oh God, we're so fucked, we're so fucked. Oh my God, church bells. Oh God, we're safe. The church bells drove it away. Show run away. You don't want to know, you know, it's like, it, it, it's so great because it captures what it's to be like. A hunter, which is like you're just this well-meaning idiot with a gun, you know, that's heavily armed but has no idea what the fuck's going on, and you're almost likely to cause more damage to yourself and your allies than to the the horror. Yeah. And it's just a great, great little book to uh, run. They they do a thing about a Promethean, uh, a nuclear Promethean, um, who's a Russian gangster, and that shit is fucking horrific, you know. Um, so, anyways, that that's really good. Uh, then I want to mention a video game of my own, Rashard. Um, which is a neat little 2D platformer that's on PSN Network and Steam, uh, where you're basically a guy with a gravity gun running around space stations solving puzzles. It's got this great kind of 80s new wave music uh, soundtrack to it that uh, is really, yeah, it's pretty chillax. It's pretty nice. Um, and Danger 5. Uh, we, I've already mentioned the web series, but it's actually, it's, it's an actual show in Australia. Uh, it's like a live action Venture Brothers, is all I can do. That's even more sexist. Like, <laughs> uh, like it's ridiculous. Like it's like fifties men's magazine sexist. Like everyone smokes. The women are all loose except for the one pure virgin who is like, yeah. ah. You, you know, they find some excuse to get her clothes off every episode, and it's like shooting Nazi dinosaurs. Like, and uh, above all else, yeah, kill Hitler and kill Hitler. Uh, it's just fucking insane. There's always a window for Hitler to run, jump through. Exactly. Yeah, he escapes in every single episode. In the same way, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Um, and. I've only seen a couple episodes of it. You know, if you're not in Australia, Australia, you'll have to uh, acquire it through legitimate means somehow. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyways, oh, uh, I have one more thing. Yeah, uh, it's actually a series of flash games called uh, Reincarnation. Uh huh. Kind of a it's there like there's I think there's like seven or eight of them right now. Yeah. But essentially, you're just playing. You're it's like a point and click type adventure game. Uh-huh. We were playing a demon first, like trying to first determine if, if a soul that was reincarnated from hell is sinning again, mm-hmm. and then when you confirm he is, then figure out a way to accidentally kill him. Okay. It's actually it's 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 cartoony. It's not particularly violent, but they're they're all real, they're all pretty fun. All about five to ten minutes just worth of quick play. Okay. So it's and and can be a little difficult to do if you if you didn't have the walkthroughs to look through. Okay. Uh, so where are these on? Congregate or? Um, yeah, they're on there. They're on a lot of websites. Okay. 
Uh, all right, so um, we have an anecdote from a listener, oh, uh, yes. which is something we haven't had. And it's actually very appropriate for this. Um, so this is from our... Set the scene for us, right? Yes, Scott. Uh, I don't know if he wants us to use his last name or not, so he's just Scott. Uh, and he begins, this may not be a really funny story, but I'll tell it like an anecdote and let you decide. It was the winter of 1984, and our group was playing Chill, an early horror-style RPG that dealt with classic monsters, legend, and film. I actually have a copy of Chill somewhere, and it's very much like Call Cthulhu, but instead of the mythos, you kill vampires. And you or know, Jason. it's it's just you know, eighties like kill monsters, you know, uh, yeah. So I remember the year because that's the copyright date on the adventure, which I still have. The four of us played the game to death long before we even figured out there was a horror genre in RPGs, and before we got involved with Call of Cthulhu. The adventure had the four of us: Tom, the GM, or Chillmaster for back in those days. It was invoked to give the referee a unique name that went along with the game. This went the official position of caller in D anD. d Myself as an old aristocrat, complete with monocle. Robert as the wrong young aristocrat socialite, and the lovely Gina as the yet another aristocrat, independently wealthy in some type of royalty, a countess or a duchess or something. Conveniently, her PC was also named uh, Gina. So, as you can imagine, it was set in the gaslight England. Uh, adventure was called Vengeance of Dracula and was merely a takeoff ripoff of the Vampire Hunters and Stroker's Dracula as they run a merry chase across London while the clock ticks uh, by looking for Dracula, Esquire's coffins to destroy. This was back when vampires were still the bad guys and not the young, sexy, misunderstood, persecuted wimps of vampire the masquerade. Yeah. So, yeah. um,. Anyway, so what do you know? We destroy them all with little to no resistance. I can't remember much of the adventure any longer. Just the climactic fight between our intrepid slash inept vampire <laughs> hunters and the nefarious count. Um, just when we thought the adventure was over and we were safe to go back to sleep, Dracula strikes a Gina, her PC again, also named Gina that night. Uh, it was only with great difficulty the party managed to drive out the master vampire without getting her bit. The rest of us killed. I don't know how we could have been so stupid as to, fr- you know, fuck this, frig this up. I'm sorry. Uh, you think if we knew we destroyed the last coffin being the last of them all, we would have found Dracula in it. But no, we figured our job was done and nearly got mauled by an angry king or count of the vampires that later that evening. Well, I'll have to find the last of the coffins. Again, I can't remember what else took place in that adventure, but the adventure but the ending uh, somehow we tracked his last coffin to a big mansion on the outskirts of London the Carfax Estates high on a hill overlooking the th- uh, Times Tim's and, and the city uh, and as luck would have it this it was a gloriously sunny day a gloriously sunny day of England you can tell this is a fantasy uh, <laughs> as we enter the, as we enter the house we know we're in the right place because the entire building is deserted except for a beautiful coffin in the center of the living room area aha he's doomed now right in the middle of the day sleeping all we do is open the coffin take out the meticulously well-stocked vampire killing kit and no one brought it uh, nothing no steaks no holy wafers wolf spain holy water the entire thing was left back in London now with the coffin lid wide open, uh, Dracula's eyes now wide open, Robert's PC miserably fails his fear check, same as Sandy check, and probably faints, leaving me and Gina there standing gawking at each other while Dracula sits up in the coffin. Quick, Gina yells, drag the coffin outside. <laughs> so off we go, scraping the coffin out the front door. Dracula does the only thing he can and slams the lid back down while we're trying to mind control Robert's PC into getting back up and help him out because of his loss of his fear check, he was more susceptible to mind control. The Duchess and I drag the coffin far far away from the door but we can't pull the top off obviously being held from inside while robert's pc now slowly comes towards us like a zombie okay to say this point we all begin to panic a bit but finally someone fetches a sword came from the handsome carriage and proceeds to hack the top open and slash dracula's fingers a bit pop off goes the top of the coffin instantly dracula begins to burn and scream losing control of himself and robert's pc and we all tag him to the ground we begin to laugh because we know he's done for but no the tom gm declares dracula dracula goes poof and turns 
turns into mist, tearing off slowly for the front door. Uh, oh, damn. Now what can we do? If he reaches the front door, there's no telling what he can do about it. Suddenly, Genia brightens up and declares, I take out my turquoise fan and begin fanning them all over the place. <laughs> away from the door. So the pre-master, so the chill master asks, okay, you actually have a fan listed on your sheet? And Genia says, no, I have three. <laughs> and holds up her sheet triumphantly and points out to her equipment. Sure enough, there, she has three different types of fan listed. And she tosses the other two to Robert and me. And we fan away like crazy until Dracula goes from mist to fuel air bomb and burns up like napalm. The picture of a stuffy old aristocrat, a snooty young socialite, and a beautiful young fancy duchess all dancing around the lawn of an estate with an open coffin, flapping fans while a bunch of giant upper crust, like a, a bunch of giant upper crust bourgeois butterflies in the sun was too much for us all. And the old game paused, was paused for about half an hour of laughing. Tom fought and the jail master finally had a smoke and unilater- unilaterally declared, okay, he's dead. The evil that came to London was gone and we how we killed the ideas of the vampires with ladies' fans! 1984. Oh, yeah! Ronald Reagan. That's, that's how he ends the thing. Ronald. Awesome. So that's how they did, that's how they rolled back in the 80s. Uh, they, they, All hail the Gipper! <laughs> so that was... The, it's sunshine in America. <laughs> it's morning uh, in America. City on a hill. Anyway. But uh, I'm not a morning person. Reaganomics. Um, <laughs> so that, I think, is the absolute perfect antidote to end this episode. Absolutely. Uh, so this has been RBBR episode 72. It's a dark, 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 dark world. So, and this, very nice. Yes, very this nice. Ross Payton with Tom Church, and of course with our special guests, Jason Frog Snatch, of course, and Aaron. Somebody kill me. Oh, just <laughs> granted. Next game. Granted. Done and done. <laughs> we'll see you guys <laughs> next time.